welcome to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, today on the Unicorns, we're again looking at Australia's property sector and the home loan market. With interest rates on the rise and clearance rates falling, it's a very interesting time for those working in the sector, but also for those of us with home loans. Our guest is Annie LeWilson, a 20-year veteran of the banking, finance and mortgage industry. She's now the Chief Revenue Officer at Joust, which is an online, real-time home loan marketplace. And no doubt, a very busy time for Annie at the moment, and I'm very pleased to say she joins me now. G'day, Annie. Welcome to the program. G'day. Thank you for having me on board. Okay, I'm keen to get started on your professional background, Annie. How did you get started in the industry and what was it that made you interested in the first place? I think one of the things is that I I, I was very lucky through my career being um, a female in finance and particularly commercial finance. Uh-huh. Um, I was given a lot of, I, I suppose, I seeked a lot of opportunities to personally grow in the finance industry, but also have the focus around SME um, and what that looked like for, um, you know, the the overall experience of how to help people, right? Mm. But one of the things that, and take you back to grassroots. So um, my background is I come from a family that were immigrants and, um, you know, mum and dad had to really squeeze out a lot of, um, a lot of effort to, to put food in the family. But the mm-hmm. thing here is that, one of the things I wanted to do when I grew up was the fact that I actually wanted to get into social science and, and, and um, social work. And okay. my mother said to me at the end of my, um, my graduation was that um, you're doing this, you know, you've done, uh, you've done this course, you've, you've gone through uni, you, you know. So what was, what was your degree? I might, I'm qualified to actually work in social science and social work. Yeah. And um, so what happened was there, my mum said to me, um, which is quite, this was a moment. And so she said to me, why do you want to help people? And I said, it's because the world needs to be a better place and there's a lot of people struggling and things like that. And the, and the, and the best advice she actually gave me at the point in time was she said, well, you're one person and there's millions of people help. How are you going to do that? And I said, I don't know. I'm going to go out there and, and be me and, and, you know, get on the tools yeah. and, and dig up dirt. Um, and, um, and she said to me, you know what, what helps people and what people value in life? And, and I, that was the moment for me. She said, it's money. Money mm. makes, makes everything better. And because we come from an immigrant family, it's very important. Um, so she said to me, why don't you think about ways of making money or helping people get money to fulfill mm. their needs in life. And that, mm. was the, that was the kickoff for me because I think that that really implanted the seed in my mind was how am I going to help people? And in reality, she is absolutely right. Money helps people and it helps fulfill our dreams. It helps fulfill um, the, the, our essential needs and it puts shelter over our head, pays for bills, all that stuff. So if you think about the SME market, it's about putting Australians' dreams into reality with having a bank, an institution, a lender, a broker to actually help fulfil those needs and mm. actually give them personal growth and business growth. And mm. I think that's been my, my, you know, my passion in life. And I guess I've been given the opportunity 
it, through the banking of, um, I guess, growing my skills of helping customers grow, but then yes. also playing a piece in developing strategies and growth markets where I feel as though, you know, those are the ways that, you know, that happens in the financial services world where we, we, we identify areas of growth for the bank, but also areas of um, that need us the most. So I guess that's where my journeys come from by being a banker, being a broker, yes. also playing a big part in strategy and, and building and de- developing um, teams and, and, and areas for the bank. And not to make money, um, not, to own, not only to make money, but at the same time making... To help um, people. To help people. And I think that's what I've achieved in my career. Very good advice from your mum, I have to say. I know she's a very wise woman. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're now at uh, you're now at Joust as the Chief Revenue Officer. Tell us about the work that you're doing at Joust, and maybe a little bit of background about what Joust actually is and how it works. Yeah. So I think the thing here is that the the financial industry has evolved, and um, going back to my career, I think about the fact that I've played in many areas of banking and financial services. And the reason that drew me to Joust was the fact that it's a two-sided marketplace. It not only helps consumers with their financial needs, but it also plays a role in actually um, helping lenders and brokers to develop their business for sustainable growth, but also understanding a platform, for example, that acquires customers digitally. Now, I'm talking about the digital customer here. And I think the other thing is that the digital customer is no different to any other customer that comes through your door. The Mm. only difference is it's amplified by many, many thousands and thousands of people visiting your front shop, right? Yeah. And so, therefore, when I think about the value proposition of Joust, what Joust brings to the business partner side, and let's just park the consumer side for now, the, the value that it brings is that if you think about the, the, the way that um, financial services are moving, they're moving online to acquire more customers. And yep. one, of the, one of the reasons for that is, one, is the fact that the old traditional values of a banker going out to informing relationships um, with their accountants and solicitors and lawyers, that's becoming a lot more slower. Those days are gone. Those days are gone. But, but then the ones that have got those relationships, are, that's gold, right? So, and then you, you think about the fact that 9.1 million Australians shop online, you think about it. So where do you need to be as a lender and broker, for example? And the other thing is that I think we, we, we're, we're moving in a fast-paced industry where we can't afford the time to wait for people to come to our door. And the thing here is that if you think about the diversification of people shopping online, um, mm. in reality, the millennials is where we need to be looking at for the next generation of homeowners and borrowers. Mm. The reason being for that is, one, they shop online, but two, that, you know, the baby boomers of the world, they're, they're selling up their assets. They're, they're going to superannuation mode. They're looking at retirement. It's true. It's true. You're right. Yeah. So, and so therefore, I think Joust has a very strong proposition in the market in actually driving consumers to um, our business partners, but providing value of data. When I always talk about Joust, I talk about the fact that Joust is actually a digital marketing growth mechanism that creates opportunity to acquire customers through quality data points. And the thing here is that a lot of people will say to me, what that means is, oh, you're just an online leads gen company. The thing here is that online leads gen has actually created a very, I guess, not so popular version of the, the name to that. The reason being for that is because of the fact that 
um, you know, um, a lot of our, you know, the lenders and brokers have had bad experiences with these companies online. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing mm-hmm. here is that I actually don't completely blame them for um, for for disappointing the broker market and the lender market side of, of acquiring customers. It's because like, I believe that there has been a lack of education around what additional customers' behaviours are and mm-hmm. also the lack of understanding of how to react and deal with a digital customer. And then also the lens of the fact that just because you have 100 customers come to your door, not every customer is going to follow you onto the journey. At the, yes. same, at the same time, don't forget, even though there is a technology platform such as Joust in the marketplace to bring customers to you, it does not necessarily mean that the, the whole technology piece is, is the important piece. The important piece is that we need to point to the fact that we need to build relationships still. Nothing's a given. So building relationship with people is, is a skill. And the old-fashioned way of building relationship is catching up with coffee, making sure you, 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 you get to, you know, email them and become friends for a good six to seven months and then you get to talk about business. But in reality, um, we don't have time for that. It's much so more we, transactional now. happens so fast. Absolutely. And the thing here is that the, the, the way that, um, you know, if you look at the market at the moment, particularly in the finance industry of acquiring customers and where customers are going, the thing here is that 70% of customers are now turning to brokers for their home loan and financial needs. I was going to ask you that. That, that has to have risen. That's, that's risen. So that's from, risen from where? Because like in the, in the old days, you, you'd go in to see your, your bank manager at CBA or ANZ and, you know, work out a deal or something like that. Those days too are gone. That do, that doesn't happen anymore. Well, branches are closing, right? So, um, and and but there is still a, a human need to communicate. The reason for the market share uplift to 70% this year is because of a number of reasons. It's because, you know, we've been locked down with COVID. We haven't been able to business develop and nor, nor customers going to branches and things like that to, to have a conversation about their, their financial need. Um, the other side of that also is that I guess when you're thinking about this, the 70%, you think about the fact that the, 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 uh, the broker industry has become a career and a segment, right? And whereas, um, and you talk about where has that ridden from? So when I was a broker back in many, many years, and I, I'll, hold you, I'll hold against you that you called me a, a, a veteran because I don't feel that old. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Pardon but me. Yes. Days, but back in those days, um, the broker market made only 6 to 8% market share. So as you can see in the last 20 years, mm. that's ridden to 70% market share. I remember when I was a broker um, and managing a broker firm, the thing was we had direct accreditation with the banks, um, you know, and banks didn't know what to do with brokers. And now you've got, you know, it makes up, you know, you know, 80%, 70% of bank value books of what goes through the third-party channel. And then the question here is that whilst they work on the third-party channel, there is still a cohort of customers, 30% of customers, that are still wanting direct um, relationship with the banks. And the thing here is that um, we talk about the fact that banks are now closing branches, they're, they're, they're slimming down their workforce, they're creating online services like other mm. banking products and services. So therefore, the question here is that where are they finding their customers if they don't have the foot traffic, nor do they have the footwork to go out there? And yeah, that's a, that's, a good, that's a good question you've just asked yourself. Yes, so I think all, all, all roads actually lead to joust, to be honest, and hence the reason <laughs> <I'm here. laughs> Very good. 
Very good. So, um, Annie, what are the latest stats on uh, the big fours market share of the mortgage industry in Australia? I think back in the day it was, you know, 90%. I think that's come off a little bit. It's probably around about, is it 85, 80%, maybe 70%? What, what's, because obviously you've seen the rise of non bank lenders, um, neo banks, um, mutuals, credit unions, that sort of thing. So, what, paint us a picture of where things are at. I don't. I actually think that the the big banks, the big fours, have been quite smart around their com- competition in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, those percentages are they haven't shifted as much. But the difference is that they've gone into retention mode. So what that means is retention mode is not about protecting only your current book, but acquiring other things that actually protect your your strength in the marketplace. So if you think about the fact that if I was to maintain my strength, if you look about the big fours, for example, um, they play very strongly in the broker space. And as you know, that brokers make up 70% of the market share of consumers going for home loans. So therefore, they're actually the growth opportunity has always been in the third party side. And then on the other side also, you think about how are they um, sustaining the rest of their business? So you, you think about the big fours, they're rolling out and they're buying out other, um, you know, online lenders. You, mm. you look at NAB with Ubank, you look at Ubank with um, 86400, you look at CBA with um, with their online ho- new home loan offering. So therefore, banks are getting, um, they're, they're catching up and they're, they're yes. realising that, you know, not only do they have to play in the digital space of being a digital lender and having multiple brands that fall under the parent company, but also they pay playing third, third party. And that's, that to me is a great retention um, strategy, but it's also a, a growth strategy as well. And I think the thing here is with the housing boom um, in the last, you know, um, couple of years, you can see that um, the strength hasn't faltered um, or or moved and weakened with the with the majors. It's actually been an opportunity for them to actually look at the um, the smaller guys, either gulp them up into their business or partner up with them or yes, find yes. other uh, distribution channels <clears throat> such as broker. So if you look at the Australian home loan market over let's let's just say this year. Uh, I said in my intro that clearance, like the, it's got the wobbles, let's face it. Prices are coming off. They're talking as much as 15%, 20%. Clearance rates are way down. Interest rates are going up. They're talking potentially maybe another 1%, um, maybe next month. Who knows? Uh, so conditions are a little bit uh, uneasy. So from Joust's perspective, what are you seeing with respect to people looking to shake up their home loans, either to refinance, find alternative lending, you know, better interest rates. What um, what market intel can you give us, Annie? So what we're seeing on our platform is a lot of refi um, inquiries. Mm-hmm. And the thing here is that I, people are beginning to realise that, that, that they're coming off of their honeymoon rates. And these honeymoon rates were very, very good honeymoon rates. I mean, I remember seeing a rate for, you know, for 1.39, for example. Mm. Um, and and, I'll, and uh, for me, being around in finance for such a long time, it, it actually shocked me how low interest rates went. Mm. But then at the same time, um, you know, the, the, the consumer, the smart ones are actually shopping now because they have a future need. 
So what that future need means, it's it's short term. So they're coming off of their home loan rates in the next six to 12 months. They want to see what the market um, is offering. And at the moment, a lot of them are getting quite a shock because they fixed in at such low rates. Yeah, and they don't realise it's moved so far. They've moved so far. And the thing here is that the, you know, we're looking at now talking, fix, uh, I guess, fixing or variable. And because people have been conditioned to fixing because it's been a cheap rate and it's something that they can plan every month, set repayments every month and things like that, the, um, you know, the nervousness is the fact that, um, you know, people are still looking for fixed rates, but they, they, they can't understand uh, or fathom why these rates are so high. And we've had to, had to explain to our customers, our consumers, that, you know, these fixed rates are factored in with, um, one, your risk profile, but at the same time, that the, the cost of funds going forward in, yes. in, the, in the years that you, you fix in. So, therefore, um, you know, the cost of funds have gone up. We understand that interest rates have gone up and then will continue to go up. Um, and then you're looking at variable rates now where you go, that's so much cheaper than fixed rates. But then there's a nervousness in, in going into variable rates because you, it, it's, um, it's unpredictable, I suppose, for consumers to know whether that rate is going to be good for six months or, or even one month after they, they settle the loan or whether variable rates are going to move again. So we have this conversation where I guess a, a lot of lenders that we partner up with and also brokers is that they're having conversations of education, educating the consumer around what fixed and variable rates look like. And, and it's scary to a lot of consumers. Um, you know, over, a, a lot of people have overextended themselves, borrowing mm, to buy, and, mm. and, and fear of missing out on, on, on that home and getting into the market. Yes, yes, paying overs, yeah. Yeah, but now that we're seeing the market um, turn on property, um, you know, it's going down, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne. And people who, um, you know, who've, who've bought into the peak of the market, they now worry because of the fact that even if they, even if rates shifted by, um, you know, half a percent, whatever it is, it makes a major impact. But then on the upper side of, of town, um, you know, your medium to high echelons of class, you know, you think about it, they actually have saved over one and a half years worth of um of, of savings because interest rates have been so low. So they're prepared for interest rates going up. Mm. Well, then don't forget, I think um, the word veteran comes back again. Um, <laughs> you know, I think about, you know, home loan rates being, you know, in the teens, in the... In the 17, 18%, yes, I remember that. And then you think about, you know, when interest rates, the GFC, you know, um, people were selling off properties and interest rates were high and all that stuff. It's a cycle, and, and I think the one of the things that we as human beings, we have a very short memory, and um, you know we go through the hard times, but then when the good times come up, we forget that the you know uh, of what happened in the past, and there's a lot of things we can learn from the past. Yeah, what are some of the questions that homeowners need to be asking themselves with respect to interest rates and their current lender if they haven't refinanced? for a period of time what are, are there any tactics or and bearing in mind this is not official financial advice but there, are there any things that um people with mortgages should be doing or thinking about um and obviously um questions to be asked of their current lender absolutely so the thing here is that um you know with 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 lenders it's 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 
if you think about the customer piece, you would work on the current customer strongly to retain them, then actually let them go. Because we know that um, as a business, it takes 10 customers to come through your door before you can replace the one that you've just lost, right? So the other thing is that that is a very good question. So what what is it that I need to, to have that conversation with my lender? The first thing is that um, you talk about the, the strength of you as, as, a, as a borrower to that lender and what that means to them. And then on the other side also is the fact that you think about there's unknowns within, um, you know, the home loan structuring side of products. And a lot of the times lenders actually have discount variable rates, for example, and they have, you know, have packages where you pay a fee per year and you, you're guaranteed uh, an X amount of discount off of your variable rate and or your, your, um, your fixed rate. So that's a good leading conversation because a lot of um, consumers who are shopping online for their home loan, they only see the comparison rate. They yes. only see the advertised yes. rate. But once you actually have a conversation with a real human being, and that's what I say, the fact that even though um, we're a digital platform that provides um, intel on home loans and, and matches and pairs you up with, with lenders, it's the fact that there is value in having a, a conversation and sitting down with your lender and talking through where your goals and objectives are for the next few years. It could be the fact that when you restructure your home loan, for example, you could restructure in tying in all those little yucky debts that you've, you've, you've clocked up and therefore mm. you're saving interest rates on your credit card account, for example, and paying home loan rates for that if you can actually put that all consolidate that in. So there's a few mindsets in the way that you, you should focus on um, having these conversations. First, talk to them about what what's the value of me being a, a loyal customer to you? Yes. And what is it? Um, what is it that other added service values you can provide me to help me deal with the mortgage pain and and, and stress that I will go through? Um, and think of and to, and listen to what they have to say because I think that we've been so transactional in the past few years is that we only want something that you know we only want to talk to lenders that can just give us what our immediate needs are. Now it's actually time to actually plan for what your 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 future path of your um, financial planning is going to be like. And I think financial planners are going to be very busy as well in the, in, in, in the coming months and years. But also ask the question, if you're just sitting there, just keep paying and paying and paying the same, um, same amount, rates are going up. And if you're not being a little bit um, antagonistic or, you know, agitating, you, you're not going to get anything. So is that your advice? Like, you know, probe and ask some, ask some questions for, as you say, for your customer loyalty. Absolutely. So, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So mm. if, you don't, if you don't try, you don't know what's better on the other side. And then on the other side also is that it's it's an education piece of both lenders and, and consumers. If they're not having these conversations, they can't um, create better um, scenarios to best suit the needs of the consumers coming in, mm. um, or they can't actually, they don't, um, you know, they don't have the ability to to think about what the future customer wants and what they want now and plan out the growth of their business there as well. So on Joust, on a platform, um, what what's the panel of lenders like? I imagine it's pretty substantial. But who are the who are some of the lenders that you're um, that you're dealing with? That's on that's on the panel. We have so many lenders on our platform, and the, the great thing about this platform, it brings all lenders and um, on an equal playing field. 
Okay. So the thing here is that we don't take sponsorship money or whatever it may be and push um, home loan rates and lenders on our platform. We actually give them an array of customers that actually need what they, they provide in the marketplace. Um, and the thing here is that when I talk about array of them, it, it's the fact that we've actually recruited these lenders on our platform to, to cater for all types of consumers. So what that means is that the consumer that comes on board with a high lending criteria but low income or, um, you know, their credit band's not so great, we've got partners on the platform that can mm. satisfy those yep. types of customers. So that hence the reason why I think that, you know, we've when we when we think about our platform, we actually plan the platform around the consumer journey first. And I think that's really important because we're not flogging products here. We're about mm. we're, we really care about the consumer journey. And at the same time, that consumer is actually putting a, a lot of data points for us to actually help them partner up with a lender on our platform. So, you know, you've got to understand the, the investment people put in to actually um, come onto our platform. And going back to your question is that, you know, how many lenders are, uh, and, 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 um, are on our platform? I don't really care about how many lenders. I want to care about how many lenders that can satisfy all the, the, the different types of consumers that are on our platform. Yes, well. yes. And, and, and on, on, the, on the business um, side of things, um, we do recruit, we try to recruit lenders that have different offerings on our platform. So what that means is that um, it gives lenders who don't have a high profile or a big brand loyalty in the marketplace to actually have an, an opportunity to talk to consumers on our platform that they think that they can provide value to. And, and am I right in saying, Annie, that in some of the comparison sites, for example, you might see a particular rate, click on that and you go down a rabbit hole and then all of a sudden you don't qualify because of your risk profile, but on Joust, because you're inputting your personal financial data, the rate that you eventually end up with is much more suitable to your individual needs. It is a, a, a very visual image of what the market is offering your profile. And, mm. and it talks to what is pretty much the lenders are going, what is it important that I need to put onto this Joust platform to offer consumers that have this lending need? Um, I think when you go down the, the rabbit hole of clicking on a, an attractive rate, I mean, I guess my, you know, my, my back of my mind, I think, um, from a marketing perspective, is that clickbait. The punter's thinking, what's the catch here? Yeah, this is too good to be true. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, going back to my mother again, um, if it's too good to be true, it's probably that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm keen to know more about how uh, Joust has grown in the market. Uh, it, it's, it's reasonably new. When I say that, it's, it's, it's sort of been around, it hasn't been around for 100 years. It's been around for uh, four or five years or so. The um, how how has Joust grown, and where's where's it heading? Where do you where do you see the future for for Joust? Um, I think when I think about the fact that Joust has been around for a few years prior to when I came on board, I think about the fact that Joust spent a lot of that time investing on what the consumer journey was and what the consumer need was, versus what the the partners we need to have on mm. our platform to mm. do. Yeah. So I guess when I came on board, we actually launched into the the, the broker market, um, for example, with a very heavy concentration on that. Because don't forget, 
brokers make up about 70% market share in, 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 in that space that we play in. Mm. So therefore, it was very, um, I guess, calculated that we need to be in that space. But then we also thought about the fact that, you know, given the experience that they had in the past, what did, what did that mean to potential partners we were talking to? And how do we, we break down those walls of, I guess, the, 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 you know, leads generation being a dirty word? So we've taken on a very, um, I know, big task, but I, I think we can do this, is that we've taken on tasks on ourselves to actually take on that corporate responsibility to educate brokers and lenders on the digital customer and what to expect out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, when I, and, and when I think about prior to my time with Joust is that we worked on such a great proposition and a platform to actually offer the consumer market, but at the same time, our true came to, our true sense where we actually came out of I guess where um, you know the, the the I guess the the, the office of hiding of uh, of behiding behind tech people building and eating two minute noodles was the fact that we 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 came out and we said you know what we have a, a an added value service here for for partners in the market and we've got an opportunity here to do it really well and I think when since we launched back in July last year what that meant was that we took on feedback. And we, and we built and grow. One of the mm. things that we say in our team is that we think we, we, we always need to learn, build, and then grow. So therefore, mm. our mantra is about building, learning, and then growing rather than growing and building and learning at the same time. So yeah. if you do it in that order, you're taking on um, a lot of the feedback of what your partners are saying and what the consumers are saying and making that a, a match where, um, you know, what that means is that, um, you know, the, the two-sided marketplace that we play in, everyone's happy with our service. So I think when it comes to Joust as a whole, we spent, um, you know, the last few years building out a, a wonderful platform. We took it to market with great positive response in the last um, 18 months. Where does Joust go from here? So right now we're concentrated on the fact that home loan market is really hot at the moment to uh, to help. There's an urgent need for us to help. Yes, yes. Um, I think you're busier than ever. We are extremely busy people. I actually don't know how many hours of the day we actually get to have on our own. But the thing here is that we we actually have a team worth of passionate people who understand the service offering that we have in the market, both for the consumer side and for the B2B market. Um, and where do we go from here? So I come from a, a, a very diverse banking background, and I think I believe that there are many other verticals that we can take on board. And some are in the planning at the moment, so I won't tell you about our secret weapon. Okay. Um, That can be be another podcast. That can be another podcast. But um, I'd have to say that, that, you know, once you see the the home loan market shift, the the residential market shift, you can then look at other verticals within the market that the pain points of the consumers of where they're going next. So we follow the consumer in the SME market very closely. And what that means is that, and the wonderful thing about our, our business is that, our tech team has very short cycles of building out, um, you know, functions and features and, and things like that. And I think that coming from a corporate background, when I've asked for a button to be changed, it's taken 12 months or even two years. <laughs> whereas I, 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 you can you know, go in and code it yourself and go, it's done. I know. And, you know, when I was thinking about um, um, updating my LinkedIn profile, I, I, I was thinking, what do I put in my LinkedIn profile to show that I absolutely love the place that I play in? And in reality, you look in LinkedIn profiles, people go where I've been, what I've achieved. And for me, um, my profile for Joust is I work with a very 
passionate and smart group of individuals and human beings on earth right now. And our passion is in the financial in service industry. And we think that we can make a big difference. And it's not only about making a big difference through innovation, it's also through education as well and partnering and having humans behind a digital platform. I'm keen to know, Annie, when for the customer, do they get matched with a, a broker or a lender close to their geography or is that not as important? So, for example, if I'm in Sydney, am I necessarily going to be matched with a joust broker who is in Sydney or does it matter? They could be in Geelong or um, Queensland or Perth. What's How does it work that way? So we know that a large amount of Australians shop online, right? Mm. So therefore, they don't care where they get their products and services. Yes, exactly. So the thing here is that I, I suppose that that creates such a wonderful um, open-mindedness about where they want to take their financial needs to. So therefore, they're actually not specific. Figured it out, Annie. Um, they're not really particular where their home loan lands. If it means that they need to talk to a broker or a lender that is in Queensland and I'm in New South Wales, it's about what services you can provide me and what immediate need you can take to alleviate my stress on the most important um, decision I have in life, which is money. Um, and then the other side is on the B two B side. A lot of our um, our partners um, in the broker space, they will tell you that they utilise us because the fact that they don't need to open, um, you know, offices in every state now to talk to. Yes, yes, that's right. They're utilising us to actually expand their business and not necessarily having physical offices. And a lot of them are saying, you know, it saved me so much money. But at the same time, I get to diversify my skill set in talking to um, a customer in Queensland versus a customer in New South Wales. I'm learning more about what the industry and the open borders, yeah. Um, and why should you be restricted to the location that you you you, you sit in? Um, mm. We've got we've got partners on our platform that you know they're in Tasmania than South Australia, but a lot of the growth that they have is based on the fact that they have a, a national presence through mm. Dow. Mm. Um, and it's a wonderful thing. And technology's improved that, hasn't it, with Zoom and virtual meetings and secure documents uh, online. You don't need those 7.30 p.m. dinner table, you know, pop-arounds with the broker knocking on your door when you want to get the kids to bed. Absolutely. And the thing here is I think COVID, whilst it was doom and gloom and it wasn't um, great personally for a lot of um, people, but from a technology standpoint, from a pivoting standpoint, from a business growth perspective, it's op it opened up the what can we do if we can't do the normal? And it's now turning the fact that the no normal is now I'll meet someone on Zoom, talk about uh, my, my hopes, dreams and fears, and I get a resolution out of that and it becomes quicker. I don't have to get a document signed um, in front of me. Um, I have technology that um, has been industry qualified to do that. And I think that it's a wonderful thing because don't forget, being a veteran, I've seen the fact that I've had to feed through 50-page faxes to get an application. Nightmare. Through. Nightmare. Um, now there's multiple CRM platforms um, that I can lodge through. And mm. I don't have to leave the comfort of my own home and take off my Ugg boots. Love it. Love it. I am pro Ugg boot. Annie, it's been um, it's been terrific catching up with you today. We're out of time. 
Uh, Annie Le Wilson is the Chief Revenue Officer at Joust. Look out for the name, folks. It's a, it's a big company on the rise. Annie, thanks very much for coming onto the show and best of luck in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much.